Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Social Hotelier podcast with me, Sam Eric Ruthman. So now on with today's episode. I'm back with my guest, Mark Dardan. We had a very interesting discussion in the previous episode about branding. But today we're going to talk something uh, about a little bit about uh, how it was to start in our career. So welcome back, Mark, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Sam. Um, glad to exchange with you. You know, look for, look forward to this podcast. Well, we both have moved around the world during our hotel career, and uh, I was I have to say that uh, I was trying to figure out how many years we have a combined uh, experience. And uh, uh, I started my career in 1972, so that gives it uh, a little bit of uh, as a, a receptionist in a small hotel outside Helsinki. And how about you? Yeah, in the 80s or so, same like you, you know, I mean, I did a hotel school in Lausanne and, uh, and, and started from there, you know, so I guess we probably combined 90 years, right? So, yeah. so we shouldn't give it away, but it, it is what it is. Can't change well, it. And I wouldn't that's change what it. That's what it is. I wouldn't really think. Yeah. No, no, I was very, I'm actually, when I started my career in the first, in the first hotel, I really didn't have any clue, but I, I, uh, I, I wrote I have this notebook still left from the, my little black book where I wrote all these small slogans I should uh, think about when I work in the hotel. And the first slogan I wrote was "Customer is king." That's how I, what I remember that I wrote about. And okay. and uh, also I enjoyed watching how rich people have a good time in a in a very exclusive hotel and what they eat. So I was kind of curious to see how they behaved and so or, or misbehaved. Uh, but my anecdote will not be of that because uh, the hotels still exist outside Finland, so I don't want to <laughs> embarrass anybody in there. But uh, uh, can you share a little bit about some anecdote that has happened in your career, particularly maybe in the beginning where we, a lot of misunderstandings may happen because we are we are still in the learning phase? Yeah, so you know the reason for me to choose uh, the hotel business, many different reasons, but one travel. You know, I always wanted to travel, so I had the choice between being being an airline pilot or a hotelier. Decided to go for the hotel. My first posting was in uh, Kuwait. You know, so I was a management trainee, uh, just fresh as graduated, uh, twenty four, I think twenty three or twenty four years old, twenty three, I think. And um, joined the hotel. And uh, first thing, I met the GM, and uh, he's then I met the, the F&B director, and he tells me, "Look, Mark, welcome to Kuwait. You're going to be the chief steward for the next six weeks." Say, you know, I didn't speak Arabic. My English was not very good, and uh, I had to deal with it. You know, so I was dealing with uh, 30, 40. Uh, nationalities, uh, different nationalities, Egyptian, Kuwaitis, uh, this, that. And, and it was a huge learning experience, right, uh, on how to communicate with them and really making sure that the, the job gets done, right? So, but I think you get thrown into the water and then you swim, you know, so that was kind of the approach, right? So that was, uh, and again, the cultural difference between uh, Europe, and you're talking about so many years ago, right? And and the Middle East was was absolutely huge, right? So, but you worked in the Middle East also, right? So, uh, what about your experiences? Well, I think my initial experience, I after I left, uh, I, I wanted to also travel. Uh, I was really 
uh, excited to to stay. I enjoyed working in the hotel, but I also wanted to travel, and I had an opportunity then to apply for a a, a scholarship for become a trainee. Uh, there was a number of uh, scholarship funds that uh, supported uh, Nordic uh, students or young professionals, and my. Uh, opportunity was that I received a, a very positive answer that I had been selected uh, out of the uh, the applicants, and I had a choice of going to uh, Missouri to work for a uh, I think it was yeah, Holiday Inn, and if I go to Holiday Inn Hilton, oh, no sorry Holiday Inn in Missouri, they evidently had a Holiday Inn University, so I actually could develop a career for myself with with that organization. But at that time in my career, I said, oh, okay, that sounds like a very good. But then the second option was a little bit more interesting. Uh, it was a publishing company of a lifestyle magazine. It was called Playboy magazine. So the Playboy magazine then offered me a job as management trainee. And I thought, well, um, forget Holiday Inn. I'm going to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin <laughs> to, <laughs> to become a management trainee. Of course, that was a very different world at the time uh, where uh, it was quite socially acceptable to have Playboy bunnies serving drinks and, and so on. And uh, But uh, the work itself was very, very uh, demanding. I mean, I was in the front desk initially, but uh, like you, I ended up also, they, uh, I, I told the food and beverage director that I would be interested to learn more about working in the food and beverage. He said, Sam, great. Uh, you're going to be the kitchen steward, night steward, in fact. So you're, you're in charge of the night cleanup of all the kitchens. And, and uh, the team are basically uh, students who are uh, from Madison, uh, and they are basically working nights and then they study in the daytime. So I had the introduction to uh, uh, a number of uh, multinational team, Africa, uh, Iran, etc. And they were all students who were uh, developing a career in the US, but they came to make some money in this. And I really learned how about communication was a humbling experience for me to understand uh, that somebody who is all day uh, studying in the university and they drive all the way just to work for those four, four or five hours to, to clean up a kitchen. It was a humbling experience to me to, to see these very highly intelligent, intellectual people that we were like one team uh, and we had to, we have to make sure that the kitchen is clean by the time the breakfast cook is coming in. So yeah, I learned about quite a bit about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, you know, maybe a, 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 an anecdote on, on Kuwait. Um, I think this may be also a recommendation to all the young young uh, hoteliers. And also, like, um, I did a management training like you do, and some people complain about management training. Oh, they don't, you know, they don't really uh, look after me. I don't learn enough, etc. But you have to be curious, right? And you have to be, say, say look, uh, what can I do to either learn or improve or, or, or so, so. I, I kind of looked at one thing is um, I, I, I looked at garbage, right? Uh, what was thrown into the garbage. And I wanted to prove uh, to the hotel that it would make sense to, um, to, to, to uh, you know, to look through the garbage and, and, and really uh, discover what's in the garbage. So I said, look, 
I'm going to go for three days into the garbage room myself. And what I did, and my fiancé at that time couldn't understand what I was doing in the garbage room, right? So I'm not going to marry you if you <laughs> stay in the garbage room. But anyway, so I spent like eight hours going through the garbage, right? And I found uh, cutlery, plates, full, uh, you know, meat, etc. And uh, I did a study and I said, look, uh, the payback is immediate because you're going to have two people sieving through the garbage and you put a metal detector to, to find out what goes out, right? So, so I did a small study and showed that to the general manager and a month later, they introduced it. They hired two people and they put a metal detector, they ordered a metal detector. And I thought that was a good experience because I said, look, um, instead of just waiting for you to be fed, you have to go out there and really prove yourself and 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 be curious you know being curious is very important in my opinion yeah. being curious yeah i had similar experience when after uh, university i also joined hyatt and uh, and they sent me from uh, dallas was one and a half years in in dallas as a management trainee and really that was my uh, some of the department heads were just very happy that to let me be there but they didn't want to give me any particular uh, uh, assignment. So, so that was also what I did. I was asking, well, uh, let me develop a project here that you think or identify something for you. And then, and I learned during that process of spending quite a bit of time. Uh, I, unlike you, I didn't really had a chance to go to the garbage room, but I think that was could have been a very useful experience in a thousand room hotel about what you could have found in Dallas during that time. But uh, my Time in Dallas was probably one of the best times in my life in the sense of having a chance to work in in Hugo's, which was their fine dining room. And um, so the project I did, I was developing a wine list. Well, there was a reason for it because I, I, I really got the taste for wine. So, of course, with the director of food and beverage, he was very, he was very open to the idea that we have to visit different kind of wine tastings in Dallas. And in the 80s, the Dallas was... Uh, the place to be, and uh, it was uh, economy is getting better, and people were getting uh, into wines and, and fine dining. So I spent considerable time to go to wine tastings with the food and beverage director, and uh, I became quite an expert on different Chardonnays and and Zinfandels and Cabernets, and uh, uh, it was particularly the U.S. wines rather than Europeans. But uh, that was one of the best experiences I had to. To develop this and and it's really something that when you when I think about it at that time I had a very sensitive palate to the detecting the what was buttery in, in Chardonnay and so on but now as I don't really drink these days I, I think I lost all that but uh, it's a great memory and the memory I have really is I well while I was working and I was serving in Hugo's I I am I removed the, all the etiquettes and the labels from from the wine bottles. And in Dallas, you frequently saw some <clears throat> guests that wanted to bring their own bottles uh, to the to the rest, restaurant against the corkage fee. And so there were some fine vintage uh, uh, Chateau Lafitte, Rochelle, and, and uh, all the top uh, French uh, Bordeaux. And so I was dec uh, decanting them for them. And then I usually was left a little bit left in the bottle. And so I, went, I took to the service station, I took a Melita filter and poured the rest. So I think there was a time where I drank from a 
Hotel Coffee Cup, some of the finest French wines in my life. <laughs> uh, great story. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I, I also remember after Kuwait, I went to Benin, uh, Africa, right? So I joined um, Sheraton and I, I, I met the Sheraton people. I mean, I was ambitious. I wanted to have a promotion. So they, they offered me to be an F&B director because that's fine. Great. So it's our worst hotel in the company. Says so oh, okay, good. <laughs> Thank you for uh, yeah. Our uh, food cost is sixty percent. The chef is um, whatever, and the pastry chef also is a problem. And this is a problem. Payroll cost is through the roof, and so on. So I took the challenge. I don't know why I did. I took the challenge, but I, I did. Uh, and um, you know, for me, this is a great opportunity. You know, I, I again, you can look at it. And say no, no. You know, it's too difficult, etc. But sometimes going to an area where you can fix things and you can make a difference is great because I look at this as the glass half full, right? So I said, oh, this is fantastic, right? I can go there and improve everything and not, not really understanding the risk, obviously. But, I, you know, so I went, I went there and uh, obviously fixed one thing after the other and... Um, Again, being exposed to a completely different culture, Benin being uh, that that was the old Daome in uh, in in Africa, West Africa, uh, was was a great learning experience because uh, I, I I started learning about the African culture, right? So and and really, and people are saying, "Oh, was it safe?" I I felt very safe uh, and. Uh, I had incredible experiences there. I even got married in, in uh, Benin. You know, that was a, a great experience, obviously. But also dealing with with Africans um, was a different thing. Uh, it was a socialist government. So whenever you you had some somebody who did a mistake, you had to give him the opportunity to explain what happened. Uh, in French, it was called demande d'explication. So, for example, you catch somebody stealing the kitchen, uh, chicken. Say, uh, John, it's not Johnny this time, it's John. John, uh, you know, why did you chew, uh, stole a chicken? And they had to write back to you what happened, right? So I sometimes I got five pages of explanations of what happened to the chicken. And sometimes... <laughs> The story was so good, I let them go. I said, God, this was like, this is incredible. That's a great story. Okay, but don't do it again, right? Don't eat chicken again. <laughs> it was like so funny. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, I, I'm jumping to another story, but it's another good one also, is uh, Rainmakers. And you had that in Bali also, I think, you know. We, 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 when we had the outside functions, we always used to uh, hire... Uh, not a rainmaker, you would stop the rain, right? So, and we never knew exactly if it happens or doesn't happen, etc. So there was a GM change and uh, we were planning the cocktail party, right? So I, I sit with the new GM and the old GM and we talk about the cocktail party, how many people, this, that, how, what we're going to do, etc. And I say, on oh, by the way, should we hire the, the rain stopper, not the maker, the stopper, the new GM looks at me. I said, "This guy is he, gonna go." You know, I mean, he has been in Africa too long. You know, I'm, he's the first on my list. He's gonna go. And the old GM says, "Absolutely." You know, we need a rain stopper. 
so I hired a rain stopper who tells me, yes, I can do it, but it's going to be very, very difficult because it's rainy season and it's going to cost a little extra. So I said, okay, fine, you know, whatever it is, it's a new GM, right? I need to impress him. And he said, by the way, something will happen. I can't tell you what. There will be no rain, but something will happen. So yeah, 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 yeah whatever, you know, give me a hundred dollars, whatever, do, you do it. And then here we go, we set up around the pool, the usual thing, you know, then I see these black clouds coming towards me. I said, this is not good, right? The, the rain stopper will not get his money. And somehow nothing, no rain, for whatever reasons, the, the clouds kind of went away. But at the end of the party, there was a, a, um, a, the, the sign of the hotel took fire. Can you imagine the coincidence? And I, uh, you know, on the, the, the new GM kind of uh, started believing in me again, you know, so I, <laughs> I, I kept my job for another couple of months. But uh, that's, uh, that's uh, so again, it's, it's about cultures, right? You, yeah. you, you need to adjust to the culture and, uh, you know, respect the culture. Yeah. Well, rem reminds me of Indonesia also. I had a few, uh, I had a rain stopper situation, but I think your, <laughs> your story is actually had more dra dramatic than mine. But uh, yeah, from Jakarta, my, <clears throat> from the management trainee position in Dallas, I was uh, shipped over to, uh, for a great opportunity in Jakarta. And it was the worst performing hotel in the, in the company at the time, Hayat Arya Dutta. Uh, it had been around for a long time. Well, I think you remember that hotel, Mark? So, yeah, I was uh, there also, I was there. Yeah, so... Um, I was enthusiastic direct, coming directly fresh from Hyatt's training program to, to, uh, to Jakarta and uh, want to really impose that, you know, we have to create some exciting promotions, we have to do this and that and uh, more super efficiency. And, uh, and they just smiled at me. The, the staff was just smiling at me. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, so um, uh, I didn't really understand what the smile meant because I, mean, I thought obviously when you smile, they are happy and enthusiastic to what I was saying. But of course, later on, I understand you have to look at the eyes because then it tells you really what the smile is all about. But one of the things that came out of it was that, uh, and I was very happy about it because people, the staff said, told me, uh, gave me a sentence confirming that they, they were happy and were going to do something. And they said, Salamat Tidur. So I said, okay, Salamat Tidur, that's a great uh, compliment to me. And then, uh, uh, but... Uh, I still wanted to find out actually what it meant. And, uh, and uh, anytime I went to ask somebody to do something or the team to do something, they say, yeah, salamat tidur. And so I, I was asking, uh, I was taken to the side by one, one of the senior uh, uh, persons working in the hotel. I said, Sam, do you know what this actually means? Yeah, like happy working. That's what they told me. Uh, not quite, it's called, it, but it means it's sleep, uh, sweet dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so they know how to pull a leg there I was, uh, and uh, I learned my lesson very quickly that uh, yeah, I'm going to take some lessons in, in Bahasa Indonesia to understand much better and, and also to understand the culture much better, better that what worked in Dallas doesn't work in Jakarta yeah yeah no, no absolutely you know and I, I experienced uh, the, the reverse when I moved from uh, Africa to Germany you know, so I, I go to Essen, two years in Essen. And um, 
you know, it was it was a very different experience because obviously in in Africa you show, you train, etc. And at the end you do it yourself, right? Kind of thing. At that time, uh, in, in Germany, I had to really uh, adjust, and I still remember the general manager, the GM, who said, "Look, uh, after one year, I said, look, I'm going to promote you." But you're the worst manager because you work so hard. You're here. You're here all the time. You, you know, so on. And I think you have, a, you know, you have talent, etc. But I, you have to really change your style, right? You have to to work with people now. You have to engage with them, and you have to uh, trust also your team. Develop a strong team and trust your team, etc. Because I was kind of abroad the same working style that I had in Africa, I brought it to Germany and in, in Germany it was it didn't really work that well, you know, because I I I, I was trying to be there all the time and you know uh, looking up over everybody's shoulders, etc. And after one year I said, oh I better adjust my style because it's not very effective. On the second year I was then much more effective. But again it's being to able to shift uh, gears, you know, when you go somewhere else and one experience, you learn the second, the third, and then it, it becomes kind of a, a natural afterwards, you know, that you kind of absorb the culture, understand, respect, etc., And then you, you, you really adjust uh, to the different demands. What were some of the learnings that you got from when you moved to, from one country to another? Were, were you able to get somebody who would be sort of as your mentor, or were you on your own trying to figure out what is the best way to, to, to work there and to understand the people? Yeah, I think I think mentorship is always great. You know, I, I remember in my career, I'm sure in your career, you have a couple of mentors that helped you along the way. Um, when I look at look back, it was all self learning in a sense. You mm -hmm. know, it, it kind of became easier later on in the careers. Uh, in, in, you know, after certain posts and because after Germany, I went to Bali and I, I guess that's where we actually met yeah. in Bali. And, and that was another shift, complete shift, right? So where I learned the values of family, of community, etc. And I still remember we had the front office manager. Uh, we had a big uh, incentive group checking in and uh, he went to say, Mark, I have to go. I said, what do you mean you have to go? You know, we have like 200 people checking in. You can't go. He said, no, 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 I have to go to my village because we have this. And I, I learned, wow, you know, community is so important to the Balinese. And suddenly it became much more important to me also to say, I know I, I want to have a career, I want to make, you know, whatever, I want to be successful, etc. But you're not going to be successful if you don't have a family, if you don't have kids, you don't have friends, etc. So it's really re-looking at your priorities. Yeah. And um, so to answer your question, for me, it was mostly learning myself and developing these skills over the years, right? I don't think you, you can teach these skills. You know, you can obviously mentor and say, look, in this situation, maybe if you work with somebody in this situation, it would have been maybe better to do this and this and this. Or did you really think this was the right thing to do, etc. You know. Um, so, but basically, it was a lot of self-learning from my side. Yeah. Well, likewise for me, I think it was also to. Um, I mean, for for the first Jakarta posting, I was very fortunate to have somebody who 
<clears throat> who was holding my hand and 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 giving some very good good tips here. But I also that uh, somehow I developed sort of that very sensitive. I start to observe people in a different way, not by staring at them, but also just to try to understand what the body language, their eyes, and and the the, the the tone of voice, what it meant, even though I sometimes didn't understand the language, but just to be kind of very sensitive to that. But also, I mean, uh, the the years I was on, in Thailand, on the Phuket Island, I became also uh, understanding how community and family is so important there. And it was really appreciated that uh, that uh, to, to join if there was a... Uh, family member who is uh, as a funeral and same was in Bangkok in fact also that if for somebody was passing that you pay respect to the family of the employee by by joining the uh, the the funeral rites or for them it was more important that you join the funeral than joining somebody's wedding because it was at the end of the day it was paying that respect to the family and and that went a long way so I was very glad that uh, I understood that lesson about uh, it is not about me, about work. It's also about uh, the other people who are there and also what the, they feel, and what, particularly what the family members think about me and as their as maybe child's uh, boss and so on. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and then it's, it's, there's certain rules that go everywhere. You know, it doesn't matter if you are in China or, you know, Germany or Switzerland. You know, respect. You know, respect yeah. somebody, or you know, uh, do you, you know? Don't don't do the right thing, even if people don't look specifically when they don't look right. Do yeah. the right thing and have the right values, etc. You know, that works everywhere, sure. and uh, try to understand, etc. You know, so so there's basic, basics that work everywhere. Yeah. And uh, my opinion, in any culture at all, you know, then there's obviously some differences between the cultures. But uh, overall, if you follow the, the, the guidelines, you you'd be good everywhere. Yeah. And you learn everywhere you learn something. In my opinion, sure. So um, let's talk a little bit what's happening in the our industry at the moment. Uh, things have moved on uh, several generation shifts since we both started. And, uh, but I, I was worried to learn, I was uh, talking with some people in, in the industry, and particularly uh, who are educators in, in various hotel schools, that people, after they graduate, some of them, people do not, some people do not even graduate from the school. They move, they leave the industry even before they, they, they have graduated, or if they graduate, they move into a totally different industry. Uh, so... I guess it uh, is our industry attractive enough, or what do we need to do to make it more attractive to uh, the younger generation to to uh, share the passion that we have for some other reason? I, I think um, I mean it's 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 a lot of things can be done. The challenge is there. We all know that, right? Because uh, even with my son, for example, I, I told that story many times. We had a discussion. Uh, when he was 15 or 14, 15. And he said, look, I told him, you know, what do you want to do in life? Do you know already? I said, oh, I want to do what you do. I said, oh, do you know what I do? I said, no, no, I don't. So, you know, go and work in a hotel uh, and experience it. 
And he did that. He did, you know, banqueting and stewarding and housekeeping and so on. So he came back after a month. He said, look, Dad, I, I enjoyed it, but I'm not too sure if I'm passionate enough about it. You know, so 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 it's really uh, it's a fantastic business, but you have, you've got to be really passionate about it to be successful, in my opinion. And you 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 like I said, also I think in the last podcast is, you know, you you need to like to serve. You know, if you don't like to serve, don't do it, right? And then so so the challenge is obviously. We all know it's the, 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 you know, the, the, the timing, you have to work on the weekends, in the evening, uh, maybe the pay and benefit is not as good as in, in other, the career sometimes can take longer, et cetera, to come to a, a senior position. But I still think uh, our, our, our business has, has huge opportunity, but I think we have to also change the way we, we, we work also, you know, the way we and really, COVID was a good experience in a sense. I say good experience, I'm sure. I mean, obviously, it was a bad experience, but a good experience to think out of the box that pushed us to think out of the box to try to attract people in the industry. And it starts with flexible hours, flexible timing, uh, um, look at pay and benefits, and sometimes it's benefits. So, you know, invest into the culture of the company, etc. invest in... in and the, the way we also uh, train our colleagues, etc. Uh, years ago, it was hugely descriptive. Now it becomes, you know, what's the end in mind? What's the end in mind? And we give you the freedom to 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 express yourself, you know, to achieve a certain outcome, and so on. So we have a lot of rethinking to do because uh, I'm sure you agree. Our business is very old-fashioned. The way we operate, you know, we have operated hotels. The way we operate hotels today, we did that 10, 20, 30 years ago. Obviously, some some departments are here more important now. IT, you know, social media and all that stuff was not there before, but it is now. So, and I think I think I'm I'm trying to do my little bit. And and to go and talk uh, as many times as I can uh, in hotel schools, you know. And I I really really enjoy that when I have uh, you know eighty hundred people or young 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 individuals who are in the business, and I try to 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 tell them that it's a fantastic industry. Uh, but uh, obviously, a lot of companies are poaching the graduates from the hotel schools because they get a. Uh, they have a great background, you know. They know how to behave. They have a, uh, a you know, they 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 are business schools, these hotel schools, etc. You know, so so they're very attractive, um, uh, uh, you know, potential employees for all these different businesses. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that that has been a challenge over here up in in, in the Nordics is that when you used to, uh, when you talk about service, uh, it has been perceived as a not a very uh, it's kind of industry of work that you are you are you are almost like a subservient that you're serving, and people didn't feel comfortable yeah. about that. And of course, the the change that we are, we are just shifting the uh, the vocabulary we call about customer experience. And when you talk that you are creating yeah. customer experience, that's a very different approach to uh, than serving somebody. You know, so yeah. uh, by, by talking about customer experience, that is the. The way I have found that uh, I can get through much easier and describing the various ways. And uh, 
uh, I do my little bit also, of, uh, even though I, I speak on, I use this, uh, this uh, platform to invite nice people like you to, you can talk and share this. Uh, and I found that we have, I have a number of uh, hotel school students that are listening in. So it's, it's a little bit that you chip into this in order to keep people in the industry and, and so they can see that there is a the reward and opportunity that they can get from be, being uh, in the industry. Uh, but yeah, uh, side note, uh, I was watching on the YouTube channel a, a comedian, English comedian. His name is Troy Hawk, and he has, yeah. And what he does, he's he's sitting in, standing in his uh, smoking jacket and and it's kind of a cravat, and he just greets people and give compliments. So he he and one of the interesting thing was in UK it was a, a a store where he was standing outside at the. You know, welcome to this and this shop. Uh, we hope to give you the best possible experience. And so people say, "Okay, thank you." And then, then the, the manager came to ask him, "What are you doing here?" Well, I'm, I'm creating a positive customer experience before they arrive to the shop, uh, but we don't like that. We don't want people. We don't want you to stand here and greet people. Uh, are you getting complaints? Yeah, some guests, some customers saying that there's one guy standing outside greeting us, and we don't want that. <laughs> so that was a different <laughs> way of looking at it. I recommend to to look at YouTube, uh, Troy Hawk. He's, he's standing outside okay. all kinds of events and standing in his very uh, old smoking jacket, in a purple smoking jacket, and has, the, has a cravat, and he has, some, uh, of nice. course, he, he's Brit, so he has a an excellent way of giving compliments to people. And, 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 you know, I wrote down a few of them. They were very good. So just a side note there, okay. but uh, yeah, but what are we going to do to make more attract uh, this uh, industry more attractive uh, to the, how, how does the education or the, the schools, they have, do they have a role? Do you think they have a role or does the industry have a role that they can do something that understand the younger generation better or, how to make this uh, career more yeah. more enticing for them? Yeah, I think I think it's um, just above. Everybody has to play a role, right? I mean, the schools have to clearly. Uh, I mean, the schools, you know, they have the students, etc. They have a curriculum. They they at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's a business. Also, you know, it's a, the schools are run like a business, right? So, um, I, I I think to. When I look at the, the, the waiting lists of the hotel schools, um, it's very difficult to get into a, a reputable hotel school now. You know, I mean, you go into Cornell, you go into, I mean, the famous one, the, uh, you know, Lausanne and whatever these schools. So uh, people are very attracted to the hotel business. So I, see, I think that's, that's what, you know, to attract them into kind of the hotel environment uh, at least into the schools, seem to work, right? Now, I'm not sure if the education can be changed a little bit and the preparation to go into... into Because um, I, f- I, find, I find it very difficult. To get your first job is always difficult, right? We all know that, right? So any, any, any school, you go to a big university in the US, etc., might be a little bit easier there. But out of a hotel school... If you want to go into a hotel, it's very, very complicated because tell, people tell you, okay, you have no experience. You, you have done four years. You spend $200,000 or Swiss francs or whatever, or even more than that in education. And then you get offered a, a job as assistant chief steward uh, in a hotel 
where you make, uh, you know, nothing much, right? And you work 18 hours, you work on the weekends, etc. So I think that, that gap, on it's clear on, you know, like me, you cannot move straight from a school and become a, a manager because you are not going to be respected because you don't know the business, right? So yeah. it's very, very, that's why I thought on you did the same thing. I thought the management training is not a bad thing because you, at least you get the experience throughout the hotel. But again, it's a big investment. I remember, I think I was making 500 US a yeah. month at that time. You know, it's like many years ago. Yeah. And I didn't really care about the money. I wanted to have the education, right? But then yeah. to, on, on some students take loans to, to, to pay for the education. And then they say, okay, I can go to uh, a private bank, you know, wealth management, you know, great. Or I can go uh, tech or I can start my own business. Yeah. And what I've noticed also, the young generation is much more uh, inclined to start their own business. I went yes. to Lausanne to do a speech for NBA students and it was great, you know, we had a great presentation, da-da, you know. Then I afterwards we had a, a little uh, cocktail and I, I went around the room and all of them said, oh, I have this great idea, I'm going to do this little coffee shop or, or, or I want to have this, um, I want to compete against Starbucks and do this and I want to do that. And so so it, it, when I, I grew up, I don't know about you, my only thing was to do a career. You know, I, yes. I'm going to work for a good hotel, uh, you know, Four Seasons, Ritz-Carlton, Hilton at that time was a great company, you know, Hyatt, you know, very, I want to go to Asia to learn things. But I never thought I'm going to open a coffee shop, right? No. Never came to my mind. I'm not going to look at something else. But nowadays, two, my, my two kids are basically in startups and they they... They would love to do something on their own, and they are eventually going to do something on their own, right? Uh, but things have really changed in, in in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed that also, but also that uh, I think where uh, hotel companies could do a better job is to uh, outline a, a a path for somebody who comes into the industry. That, like, I I, yeah. I didn't know how long I'm going to stay in one place to another. But I, I, and if my passion was to become a general manager one day, then I, I, I would want to see how that works out, what what things I would need to learn, and and how how where I can I accomplish that, where I can get that uh, training for that. I would hope to get that, and I I still see that uh, this is an area where uh, I mean the hotel companies can, or the hotels themselves can do a good job. So even the hotel general general manager takes the time to to. Uh, uh, work with a with a new uh, graduate that uh, not not put not put them in a pedestal to other people, but to give them an opportunity, open up, uh, open their eyes to what are the opportunities, and also, but also that in 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 Finland, uh, particularly, uh, there is a very uh, a balance of a work and a life balance is very important here. Now uh, I didn't appreciate that because to me, what well, work was the balance, not not, not the, the private life. But here it's very important, and then also the the how will hotel able to give the the general generation a career of a path, but also to give them a chance about that there's a good private life and, and work balance in, in their life. 
uh, that make them stay, stay. And still there's no guarantee that they will stay long with you because they might say, well, no, I think uh, I might go to Mexico to serve for six months instead. And then uh, if I feel like it, and if you're good enough hotel, I, as I remember you, I may come back. So the, you, are, you are never guaranteed anything. Yeah, 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 no, no, you, you hit on really some two fundamental points there, um, you know, to offer a, a career versus a job, you know, so, so first question, when, when we, at the moment, when we hire or when we look at candidates, we say, where do you want to be, you know, how can we help you getting there, right, so, so that's question number one, and, and really develop the, the, the career, and then the the uh, the, the work-life balance is clearly important, especially after COVID. You know, people have really, really had time to think. I think that pause gave a lot of people uh, time to think. They say, what do I do with my life, right? Uh, do I really want to work 18 hours or 16 or 15 or 14? Do I want to work on the weekends? Do I, I you know, miss time with my family, with my kids? Maybe I do something different. So it's also be flexible, right? So offer flexible hours. If somebody wants to work four hours in the morning, so be it. You know, come on the yep. breakfast shift. You know, that's it. You don't have to yep. work eight hours, nine hours. Come in the evening, somebody likes night shift because he does something during the day. Or he likes to do something during the day. Yeah, well, fine. Come come and do some light shift. So we have to really think ourselves uh, kind of out of the box uh, on how do we do things. But talent... It's a huge issue. I mean, uh, in Saudi Arabia, we we're opening uh, you know three hundred thousand hotel rooms by twenty thirty. So who's gonna who's gonna work in those places, right? And we all know. I mean, it's there's thirty five, thirty six million uh, Saudis in Saudi. Uh, but how will be able to attract and, and attract talents into these hotels, right? Yeah. When you think you need a thousand GMs, you need uh, you know uh, eight thousand XCOM members, uh, so many chefs. So these are numbers that are unbelievable. Uh, just that's just Saudi, uh, but in the world, uh, it, it, it's the biggest uh, it's the biggest challenge that we're facing today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think there are some. These are some. Thoughts from us from uh, in today's podcast about well, about uh, the, where we see the challenges and opportunities for for in, in in the industry. So, Mark, I just want to thank you again for joining this this podcast. It has been uh, a great, uh, a great. It's been great to exchange ideas and uh, uh, and and a few anecdotes here along the way. And then I and for all the viewers and all the listeners. Please put any comments that you have. Uh, if you agree or don't agree, any comments are appreciated because it will give me also an opportunity to uh, sharpen this uh, discussion. And uh, and this episode will be also be seen in certain platforms, which are uh, where business hotel industry is looking at it. So, but Mark, thanks very much again, and uh, look forward to talking to you more about some other topics of the industry. Yeah, no, thank you, Sam. Always a pleasure. And I'm always ready to, you know, join any podcast that you have, you know, real pleasure catching up.